God is good. Let's uh, turn to uh, John chapter 23, verse 8. <clears throat> you know what? Let's, let's do Job chapter 23. If you don't know my title already, Struggle is Real. <laughs> and I got this one because I recently saw a meme, and, he, and it was like uh, a young lady in church, and it's kind of had this like disgusted face on her. And uh, the caption said, when your pastor tells you to turn to your neighbor. <laughs> it just is like, oh, some people say the struggle was real when you're sitting in church with a pastor. Oh, shakes, pray for the person next to you. The struggle was real. But I believe we're going to get some context here. We're going to get some good things from the word of God. And I believe we can understand that the Christian life isn't always easy, but it is good. And there are some struggles and things that, of course, we go through. Um, in different walks, in different seasons that we are in. <clears throat> Anybody ever ask this question, God, where are you? <laughs> Do you even care? Do you concern? Are you, are you going to show up on the scene? Have you heard my prayers? What is going on? It's been so long. I've been going through this struggle and this circumstance, and it feels like you're so distant, like I can't even see you comprehend your existence. Are you really a God that's with us? If you've ever been a Christian for more than a, a few months, you'll probably ask that question, and I've asked that question. Yes, pastors ask that question. Uh, the same, just like everybody asks. It's a very popular, familiar question. But I think we're going to walk through some passages of Scripture, some biblical characters that had those same walk, those same doubts and unbelief, and kind of look, kind of get some practical insight. What they, what they do, what were some of their, their um, steps that they took, or how they handle it, and It'd be, it'd be uh, very interesting to start with, that's Job. Like, Job went through some things. If you ever read the book of Job, uh, pretty much, Job for me is like, I got to read, read it once, and that's good enough for me. Job been through some things. He uh, was a pretty righteous man in God's eyes, and he fell really, really sick, um, ill on his deathbed, boils. It says it was really, really bad condition. The Bible actually says he barely could move because the pain was so intense. And I never really felt that intense of pain, but some things, even people in this room are going through some things like that, like, oh, God, are you going to show what is going on? What did I do uh, to deserve this? Maybe one of those questions. Or, God, are you going to see me through this situation? Uh, let's start with Job chapter 23, verse 8. Now, he's in the context of his wife's really not on his side. His, his friends were kind of contrary to what he was believing. He lost his children, and it was, just wasn't looking good for Job. Verse 8, look, I go forward, but he's not there. And backwards, but I can't perceive him. When he works on the left hand, I can't see him there either. When he turns to the right hand, I cannot see him. Watch this. But he knows the ways that I take. When he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. My foot held fast to his steps. He's doing all the right things. I've kept his ways and not turned aside. Verse 12, I have not departed from the commands that were from his lips. I have treasured his words and his mouth and more than even the food that I need, the necessary food. Verse 13, but he's unique. That's a different way to describe God. He's unique. <laughs> and who can make him change? God ain't changing. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Good luck changing God. <laughs> His soul desires what he wants to do, for he performs, watch this, what is appointed for me. 
that gives absolutely no debate that God has an assignment and an appointment for everybody in this room or is watching online today. You have an appointment, and God's going to see you through that appointment. It might look good. It might feel like a struggle. It might feel like pain. You might get confused, and you might not know what's going on. But you're in the midst of your appointment. Job lost his friends. He lost his health. He was very distant. He was like, where, God? You are just not showing up on the scene. He's doing everything he really felt like he was supposed to do. And watch this. He goes, I go forward. I can't see him. But here's this interesting. He said he goes backwards. Have we ever done that? Looked backwards and say, what did I do to cause this situation? What, is there something in my past? Maybe I sinned when I didn't realize it or there's some type of trauma I haven't gone through. Is it a generational curse? And I'm not uh, saying those things aren't true, but we tend to do that when we see God's not, maybe I'm not praying enough, maybe I'm not interceding. Job had that same thing. I looked backwards, but that wasn't it. He says he looked to the left. He went left. Now, in biblical context, left always means, you know, the, the, the same way out in left field, or you're not, you're not on the path that you need to be. Uh, if we don't hear God or he feels distant, sometimes we start getting out of left field. Maybe I shouldn't show up to church on a Sunday morning. What's the use? It's just another Sunday morning. Maybe I should try some type of, I don't know, Eastern religion. Let's give Hinduism a try. Let's try Buddhism. Let's try the Islamic faith. And we can get so far out in left field like maybe Job was contemplating when he couldn't hear God. Or God, he felt like God wasn't showing up. And then it says, then he also was out on the right hand. And we just talked about how God's, that Job said he was righteous. He felt like he was doing everything he should. He was praying. He was serving at the food pantry. He was doing everything maybe God was telling him to do. He was a righteous man in God's eyes. And he was saying he's going off to the right. But at that same moment when it feels like we're doing what we're supposed to, it still seemed to Job that God wasn't showing up on the scene. But verse 10 is always so powerful. But he knows the way that I take he is well aware, and he's right in the midst of the circumstance and the situation. We just might not be able to see him. But he knows. Somebody say, he knows where I am. He knows where I am. He knows the intricate details of your life. I believe God sometimes seems silent because he's setting this up for something. God loves us so much that he doesn't want us to stay where we're at. And sometimes the hardship and the struggles come, right, so we can be alone with God, right? So he can get us an, uh, the appointment, the next assignment that he has for us. And this also happened in uh, the New Testament, very familiar passage of Scripture. We don't necessarily have to turn there, but it's John chapter 11, and we know the story of Lazarus, right? Mary and Martha, the, you know, the brother, was falling ill and... Lazarus was getting really sick, and if we read um, John chapter 11, verse 5 and 6, it says, Now Jesus loved Martha. Now there's no debate, God will love us in the midst of these kind of type of circumstances. Their brother falling ill, he, he might die, he might, he might go home to be in eternal life. But Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick... He abode two days still in the same place where he was. Are you seeing how Mary and Martha were like, hello, you're not showing up. Where are you? God, where are you? They followed Jesus, right? 
They knew he was able to do miracles and signs and wonders. They, they saw him raising dead people. But their own brother, Jesus also had an assignment. And in that assignment, he was to stay where he was for more days. And his assignment wasn't yet to go back to fulfill the prayer that Mary and Martha had for Lazarus. John chapter eleven twenty one. 21. Here's Martha. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, Lazarus died in that moment when Jesus didn't show up to the scene. And Martha probably asked the same questions that we asked. This situation wouldn't happen if you would have showed up earlier. My bank account wouldn't have showed zero if you would have put on your supernatural blessing, which you said in Malachi chapter 3, that you're going to pour it out if I pay my tithes and offerings, but you still don't show up because my bank account says zero. Where are you at? God, if you showed up on this little symptom of a cough, I might not have some, uh, might not have went down the whole way to my lungs and make it hard to breathe. If you showed up just a little bit earlier, this little stub of my toe wouldn't have turned into an infection if you would have showed up, God, a little bit earlier. When I first prayed for my little stub, when I hit it on the side of the bed when I was getting up in the morning, coming to church Sunday morning. Come on, all of us had that. John chapter 11, verse 15. Jesus told them that for their sake, he was glad. How about your, your, your brother's dead? Jesus comes up to you with a big old smile on his face. <laughs> I'm glad that Lazarus passed, that he was not there to heal Lazarus. So they may believe? Isn't the scriptures weird sometimes? Hello, they already believe. They're following you. They've seen all the signs, the miracles. They've been on the Sermon on the Mount. They heard your teaching, but that they may believe? I had to think about this for a moment. Could it be... That even in our walk right now, there's things that are miracles that we don't call miracles anymore. I think it's fascinating childbirth. Two people get together, nine months later something comes out. That's a miracle in my, but we see it all the time. So people then don't, so I don't call, no one calls a birth in a miracle anymore. The world doesn't want to call it a miracle. We pray, so we pray for like maybe a headache and that gets recovered, but that happens a lot. So it's not really that exciting for me. Some people walk through cancer and get healed. And then, what, what, could God, what could Jesus be doing in the scene? Sometimes he has to set you up where it might be, a miracle might be a good thing, but he might be birthing something that's the impossible. So that they may then believe that God is not just a God of uh, miracles that you see every day, but he's a God of supernatural and things that are absolutely impossible so that we can believe that had to have been God in my circumstance. That absolutely, there's no, there's no way out that me and my wife would have had a $14,000 bill and it somehow ended up $1,000. I'm not going to share the story, but I have multiple short stories like that. Where he, just showed, where, where he waits until like two days before we have to write the check that we don't have the money for. And like all of a sudden we get a call from the insurance company and say, we're going to cover that. Just deductible. It hasn't been some of these last minute type of things where I desperately need to, sell a vehicle and just a few days before someone writes me a check for for the vehicle 4500 when i only listed it for 3500 dollars, and we needed the money it just i like how god sometimes waits even though it's a struggle and we, we want to cry out like god doesn't know what he's doing <clears throat> i realize he's a whole lot smarter than i am sometimes we got to get our flesh to catch up with our spirit man sometimes what does Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 say? One of those foundational Proverbs. Lean not on your own understanding in all of your ways. Acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Lean not on your understanding means we're not going to always get it all. 
But there's more going on behind the scenes than there is actual what we visually see. And just like I said earlier, that just fascinates me when David said, bless the Lord, oh my soul. He was commanding his soul to get into alignment with what his spirit man was thinking. So I wrote this down, the pain, like Job, might be just a test for a setup, for a comeback, for something so supernatural that we can't deny it's Jesus. I'm thinking that's happening right now in this actual season where it seems kind of we're getting stuck in the supernatural. Could God, God be kind of whispering right now or moving behind the scenes when this next greatest outpour, like million soul harvest, people coming into the kingdom of God, God's getting set up for some of these things that would be so undeniable. The person that's the farthest away from Jesus are going to come and say, that's got to be your God. I'm going after this one. Come on, a lot of us have been praying and believing for that, but I believe we're just on the brink. I believe it's like nine months and we're at that last push and it's going to hurt and it's going to be painful and it's going to be, God, where are you? But when it comes out, it's going to be so glorious and we're going to be a part of it because y'all still coming to church. Y'all still believing God is good. You're still standing up and worshiping when you don't feel like it, when it's simply pain in your body. So I went right in the back aisle in Jesus' name. She is healed. She came, comes to church and she barely can walk. Come on, somebody. She's right here this morning. God's got a hand on her. I was speaking to her this morning. Something's shifting in you in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you just lift your hands really quick? It's okay to stop a sermon right now. Can you, in the back? Yeah, no, you know. Is that okay if we pray for you? <laughs> it's too late now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> in Jesus' name, Father, vertebrae line up in Jesus' name. Why not a miracle on Sunday morning? We can stop a message to let Holy Spirit move. Father, you're not having that back. You're not having that spine. This isn't something she has to live with. You paid the price for it 2,000 years ago. God, move right now in Jesus' name. Cover it with the blood of Jesus. Every ligament, every tendon, every muscle, be healed in Jesus' name. Father, pain, get out now. Get out now. Father, we want to see your glory, Father God. You're birthing something new. We want to see the impossible happen before she even leaves the search. Before she leaves this church. And we're standing in faith, in agreement. She is healed, already bunned on healed. The blood is more than sufficient. It is active today and it is working in Jesus' name. Let it spark something in this house this morning. By that miracle right now. In Jesus' name, Father, I thank you. Amen. Amen. Do you agree? Amen. Amen. Speaking of interesting things... Well, that was interesting. In the Bible, that make you go, huh? Is that in there? Sometimes things are so confusing that it actually could offend people that are in the Bible unless you don't press in to get the revelation. Do you remember Jesus before he was going to the cross? He said, no one can have a part of me unless you eat my body and, or eat my flesh and drink my, drink my blood. He's actually said that. That's in your Bible. You're not having any part... Eat my flesh, drink my blood. Now, it says in the Bible that, I think that was in Mark, that many left because they were offended at his words. But it was the disciples that came to him after to get, afterwards to get the interpretation of it. But when they got the interpret, they're like, oh, I get what you're doing now, right now. They came afterwards. When in the middle, they could have been offended. They could have been like, that pastor's preaching something I don't understand, so I'm going to the next church. We can do some things like that and get offended so easy and say, this doesn't make any sense. But it was the disciples, his followers that said, I don't get it in the moment. Doesn't make, this is a struggle to hear. How, I'm going to go and ask Jesus what this is all about. Now, many of us know what that's all about. That's a taking part of his crucifixion. We were crucified with Christ. His body was broken. His blood was poured out for us. That's what he was talking about. And nobody going to eternal life is through Jesus. And that's what he was sharing. You know, something very interesting is 
Jesus says, I didn't come into this world to bring unity. I came in to bring division. He actually said that. Did anybody know? Everybody read that? In other words, he's coming in to bring truth, which then will cause division. See, when we preach solid truth behind the pulpit in the midst of this weird world, there's some people that are not going to get, well, that church isn't loving. No, we just stand for truth. And do you see in the world today such the division happening? What is he doing? Separating the sheep from the goats. We got some decisions, I bet, within the next 10 years that we're going to have to make. I mean, that are going to be tough decisions. Just saying, I'm not taking any type of mark, by the way. This is not going to happen. You can be mad at me. You can be say, go ahead and do it. Take this mark. What if you can't buy or sell? Sure, we can be divided on that. <laughs> Just taking that stand. You can do what you, know, you, do what you, you, do what you want to do, but, but I'm not here to blend in. I'm here to stand out. Yeah. Unity isn't always the option. Sometimes it's division. That's kind of weird. Watch what Paul says. This, uh, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. You guys okay so far? Yeah. All right. I want to know Christ. That was, he said, above all else, I want to know him. I want to know, I want to have a relationship with Christ. Watch this now. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. We can say, yes. But the participation in his sufferings? <laughs> Paul, you're a weirdo. <laughs> I want the power of the resurrection. I just preached that. But participate in the sufferings? I'll pass. But what Paul understood was, When Jesus resurrected in his glory, he first had to go through the cross. There's purpose in your pain today. There was purpose in Martha's pain. There's purpose in birthing pain because when you birth something, pain is the the initial outcome, but, but, but the outcome after that is a new baby. Something new is being born. It happens all throughout scripture. Job had to get go through some pain and some suffering, but Jesus knew the end. God knew the end. He was going to be blessed, double and triple for whatever his has. His livestock tripled, family tripled, wealth tripled, people that loved him tripled. It was pain, struggle, and then the blessing. I wrote this down. Jesus had this one altar call in his ministry. <clears throat> it, was take, it was these words, take up your cross and walk. I mean, it's easy for me uh, to, to speak on your five keys to your blessing. <laughs> it's easy to, to speak on God's going to come through in your situation. And, and, but but to, to, to preach, you know, there's going to be a struggle in your walk. Sometimes we do an injustice to new believers and say, the minute you give your life to Jesus, everything's going to be okay. <laughs> in other words, God, actually the opposite sometimes happens because God doesn't want to leave you where you're at. So he always be pruning you all the time, pruning up your attitude, pruning up your unbelief pruning up your doubts. That's just a sign that he loves you that much more. If I let my little four-year-old come up and constantly kick me in the shins and not change, and I don't discipline or correct or, or have him go through a time out, then he's going to keep kicking me in the shins and thinks he has authority over me. <laughs> Does anybody have any children? <laughs> Moving right along. Our mouths can get us in trouble sometimes in these moments when God feels silent. It's significant that the children of Israel never met their promised land or never went into the promised land. They were, you know, in the wilderness for 40 years and solely because of their grumbling and complaining. 
worshiping false items, everything coming out the mouth. So God was getting, had a little strategy, strategy afterwards with Joshua and his army as they had to take over Jericho, right? God said, I want you to not say anything for seven days. I just want you to march around a building. Weird, again. Just read your Bible, it's fun, it's entertaining. And on the seventh day, do it seven times and then shout. What was he saying? Your mouth will get you in trouble, so I'm just going to command you not to say nothing until the, t- until the breakthrough happens. Sometimes we just got to shut up and march in the seasons that look dry and God's not showing up because there's going to be a time on that seventh day and that seventh hour where we're going to see the glory and the hand of God where we're going to, be just a sh- we're going to have this shout of joy and, and everlasting, uh, this praise that's going to come out of our mouth because we've seen God break down some of these walls that might have been up for years in our lives. That's the God we serve. So my suggestion is shh, no use. Grumbling, complaining. David tried it. He had to do it for like 46 chapters in Psalms. <laughs> really, like 40-something chapters was just in plain. And he said, he, you know, and here's what the Bible says. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or seed begging for bread. Come on, somebody. <clears throat> the birthing always precedes the blessing. The pain sometimes before the breakthrough. I remember when my wife was giving, I don't know why I would come to this side, I'm going to come to your side. Maybe just because I need to stay away for now. <laughs> no. We're having our, four, who now is four, Nolan, you probably see him running around, but when she was about to give birth to Nolan um, at Women's and Babies in Lancaster, <laughs> we were in this waiting room and we were waiting for a little while, I don't know, a half hour, 45 minutes until it was our turn to go have her child, and this worker comes in the room, and she says, we're going to have to put you on hold. There's been an emergency that came in, so we have to put a, a family ahead of you. <laughs> now, I'm not the one that get, kind of gets stressed out easy, Nate, or anxious about really anything. I'm good. Like, I feel like I trust in God. Maybe I'll have some more trials and pruning coming that I, that I need to de- exercise my faith. But in this moment, I, I understood what anxiety <laughs> looks like a little bit. Now, I'm not the one having the kid, too, so, I mean... And she said, and we said, okay, that's fine, that's fine, we're good, we'll wait. And she goes, meanwhile, I'm going to send the doctor in that gives the epidural. Does any, everybody know what that epidural, young boys, ask your moms <laughs> what that is. But anyway, the, this, the, oh, I'm going to turn my back on you. I'm not making fun of anybody, right? just hear my heart. The doctor that's giving the epidural comes in, uh, back to us, he shuts the door, and he's like this. I'm not kidding you. He had a condition where he couldn't hold his hand still. Right, honey? And he's like, he's talking to us, and I'm like thinking, okay, this is the guy that's going to put a needle in my wife the size of a water noodle, and I'm supposed to trust him. (laughs) So in that moment, I realized, you know, that's God sometimes. It don't make zero sense (laughs) why this guy would be the one out of all the doctors that's going to be putting a big old needle in in my wife's back, right? And he says these words, that, which kind of impact me. He says, I know what you're thinking. People complain to me all the time. I've heard it before. You know, you know, I'll take the next doctor. Or how can you possibly do this? How can you make this happen or be pain-free or get the needle in the first time to numb the back? You know? And he says, I've been doing this longer than you've been alive. Relax. I know what I'm doing. <sighs> yeah, he knows what he's doing. He's well aware of what you perceive with your eyes. But I'm telling you right now, we got to stop being moved by what we see. 
What's that song? We got the victor living in us. Mm. Genesis chapter 35, verse 16. <laughs> yeah, we do. Genesis chapter. You guys okay so far? This is the story of Rachel when she dies giving birth. And this is a very interesting path. I suggest you read the whole thing sometimes. It's very interesting because Jacob wanted this woman bad. Like, bad, bad. And then he had many men that, like, ladies have been pursuing you, like, for a long time. Fourteen years, Jacob was going after Rachel. And her daddy said, nope, not now. Do this, do that. You're not ready yet. Come on. I mean, I'm thinking a year goes by. That's, that's, let's move on. Fourteen years. That's why I'm setting the context here. This is, this is Jacob's woman. He's now married to Rachel. He finally got the lady, right? Verse 19, verse 16, excuse me. Jacob and his group left Bethel before they came to Ephrah. Rachel began giving birth to her baby, verse 17. She was having a lot of trouble with this birth. She was in great pain. When her nurse saw this, she said, don't be afraid, Rachel. You're giving birth to another son. (laughs) Rachel died while giving birth. Before dying, she named the boy Ben and I. Ben and I means son of my sorrow. Now, names are super important in the Bible. You got to look up names. You got to look at the Hebrew of what names mean. She wanted to name it because she was going through pain. She didn't understand it. She was like on her last breath. She, she did end up, you know, passing away. But Jacob said, no, in this moment, we can't do that. It makes zero sense. I worked my rear end off to get this woman, but now she's passing. Before I, cannot, I, can't, I can't imagine. Like I, he, goes, he says this, but Jacob called him Benjamin, son of my right hand. Do you guys remember what I was talking about earlier? Going left or going right, what Job did? He was making a declaration in that moment where he's like, I do not get this at all. This makes zero sense, but I'm still choosing to go right. I'm still choosing to love my Jesus. I'm still choosing to come to church. I'm still believing that he's faithful and that he's not going to forsake me. He says, I'm still going to go to the right. So no, this isn't going to be sorrow. Something, something's going to happen. Something's going to bury. But when something buries, maybe a seed, something comes out of it. We're in the brink of birthing something new in the midst of your struggle right now. I can't imagine. Son of my right hand, he's still going after God. Faithful. Verse 19, Rachel was buried on the road to Ephraim, that is Bethlehem. Jacob put a special rock on Rachel's grave to honor her. If I talked to you about before this and I said, what happened in Bethlehem? How many of you would have said Rachel died? No, we would have said Jesus came from Bethlehem. Could it be God was trying to show us if you're okay to bury something that's in your past, I got something already birthing coming out on the other side that's going to be that much glorious. You might have to leave something behind because God has something so much better on the other side. Jacob must have got this in this circumstance. Because he put a rock there. He buried a rock. 
He buried a pebble. He buried the stone right by Rachel's grave. So that prophetically, Christ, the solid rock, was next up on the scene. I'm, t- I'm telling you, church, something's happening next on the scene if we don't grow weary and well-doing for in due season. We'll reap a harvest if we faint not. Does anybody believe that this morning? Come on, one or two people can clap to that. That's good. <laughs> we can give God glory. And we know Jesus is now the chief cornerstone, our anchor, and all things. Can we stand? And worship team, you can come. If you do have your Bibles, watch Psalm 62, verse 5 to 8. And as you get there, there's this, as we're coming up on Independence Day, there's, you know, we want to honor those that served. But I recently listened to a video, and it was called, like, Don't Ring the Bell. Have everybody saw that video? One or two people. But what it was, it talks about the Navy SEALs, and it talks about SEAL training and how they start with 500 dudes that already pre-qualified through grueling stuff, even to be a contender, to be a Navy SEAL. He says, after the, it's like a month training, but he says, after like the first four days, they're down to 54 guys. And in the middle of this combine or this unit, there's this bell that's right there. And what this bell means, it says, if you want to quit, all you have to, no one's going to make fun of you. No one's going to laugh at you. We'll get you a a bus ticket home. They said, all you got to do is ring this bell. And if you ring the bell, you can be done. You can go home to your families. You can breathe. And this commander, when he was giving this speech, he was simply saying, if you want to be a Navy SEAL, don't ring the bell. I'm telling you, the struggle is real sometimes in church. Don't ring the bell, church. Come on, don't do it. Still fill the seats up. Still give, still bless. Still witness. Don't ring the bell. I'm telling you, we're about to birth something, the greatest move of God that mankind has ever seen in the history make Acts chapter 2 look like just miracles. (laughs) Come on, do you believe that this morning? Ha, Isaiah, or excuse me, Psalm chapter 62, verse 5 to 8. My soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. And God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in Him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us.